All right, guys. Well, last week we finished up our legacy teaching series, and we actually surveyed the Bible from cover to cover in just eight Sundays. It was pretty intense, but we did it, and uh, I thought it turned out really well. What I would like to do, all the, all the teachings are on the website and all the teachings are on the podcast, but what I would like to do is package together all of those recordings along with all of the sermon notes and the PowerPoints and kind of put those all into one package and make those available to you guys here at the church so that that could continue to be a resource for you, something that you continue to listen to and grow in your knowledge of the Bible and, uh, and, and have that. So we'll work on that. We'll see if we can get that all packaged together, but I think that would be awesome. So that whole teaching series was leading to something, and that something that it was leading to is happening today. The purpose of this teaching series was to take the fear out of the Bible, right? We're afraid to read the Bible because it's, it's so big, it's so hard to understand, it's so confusing. It was a time thousands of years ago that I don't know anything about. But we wanted to give you an understanding of the Bible so that it wouldn't be so scary and it wouldn't be so overwhelming and that we would have a better chance of being encouraged to read the Bible every day. I also wanted you to see that even though the Bible is an ancient document written thousands of years ago, that it is still the living word. It's still powerful today. It's still speaking today. And it still has something for your life today. And knowing that would encourage you to dig into your Bible. And so all of this has been leading up to us launching a Bible reading program that we as a church could all read together. And I've been sharing, I've been working with the staff for about the last three months leading up to this. I've been talking with different people in the church about it. And up until last week, it didn't have a name. I was just calling it the Bible Reading Initiative, which just sounded kind of boring, really. It's just, uh... but last Sunday, I was wrapping up the service and I was praying. And as I was praying, I was praying for a people that would be rooted in the Word of God. And when I got down off the stage, my wife immediately said to me, she said, you just named the program. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, you just prayed Rooted. You just named the program. And so there we have it. We are launching a program called Rooted. You can see up on the screen, my wife created an amazing logo for it. And the goal of this program is that we as a church would all be reading our Bibles together every day. But not just reading our Bibles, but that we would all be reading the same thing from the Bible every day. Why am I so big on this? Why is it so important that, that we read our Bibles every day? Well, I believe this. I believe that Bible reading is a lead measure. And there's a difference between lead measures and lag measures. Right? Lead measures tell you what's going to happen. Lag measures tell you what's already happened. See, what we do, whether it's as a church or as individuals, is we look at the lag measures and we try to fix problems based on the lag measures. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, for example, let's say as a church, one of our lag measures is telling us that we don't have enough children's ministry volunteers. So we got to start trying to troubleshoot this. How can we get more children's ministries volunteers? Or what if the lag measure tells us that marriages in the church are splitting up and we're experiencing separation and divorce in the church we think all right well what do we have to do to keep marriages together right we just we look at the lag measures and we try to just fix the problem but you see what a lead measure does is if you establish the lead measure it starts solving all the lag measures for you 
And so the lead measure is reading your Bible every day. If we could get people reading our Bibles every day, it would start to solve the lag measures. We would see less separation in the church. We would see more people volunteering for ministry. We would see more people overcoming sin and being victorious in their life. We would see more people sharing their faith. The lead measure determines the lag measures. So rather than focus all of our effort just trying to fix the lag measures, is what if we made the central focus of our church the lead measure and just see all of the outcomes that would happen if we would read our Bibles together every day? Current research says this, that amongst followers of Jesus, only 19% of followers of Jesus read their Bibles every day. That's only one out of every five followers of Jesus. Man, I want to see that number grow here at Kauai Bible Church to 80, 90, 100% of us reading our Bibles together every day. So what I want to do today is I want to get into the Bible. I want to teach from the Bible and inspire us why it's so important that we study the Bible. Then I'm going to give you some Bible reading tips. If we're going to launch a program about reading the Bible, I want to help you make it as effective as possible. And then we're going to finish today by launching this new program and sharing with you what this new program is all about. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Starting in verse 1, it says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. We say, okay, what is Paul talking about here? Well, first, let's remember two Sundays ago when we were teaching on Paul's letters, and we looked at the book of Colossians. What did we learn about the book of Colossians? Well, number one, Paul had never been to Colossae. He had never met these people in person. He had never been to this church, but yet his heart was still stirred to write to them. Where was Paul writing from? He was under house arrest in Rome. So even if he wanted to go visit the Colossians, he couldn't because he was under arrest and he couldn't leave. Why was he writing to them? Well, false teachers had come into the church at Colossae and was bringing confusion to the people. The main false teaching they were struggling with is that they were teaching that Jesus was never really God, that Jesus was just a man, he was just a representative of God, he was just a prophet, but that Jesus was never God. And they were being confused by this teaching, and Paul heard about it from prison, that they were being confused, and so he writes them this letter. And that's why in the book of Colossians, he is continually presenting Jesus as preeminent over everything, right? 
Jesus was there at creation. Everything was created by him and through him and for him. Jesus is the head over all things. Jesus holds all things together. Over and over again, Paul is presenting Jesus as over everything. He wants them to understand Jesus is God. And if you don't have that understanding, nothing else about following Jesus is going to work. So that's the setting that we read these first eight verses here of chapter 2. So first we hear Paul's heart that he wants so badly to come see them. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. He says, I've heard about the false teaching. I've heard that you're struggling and that you're confused. And I want so badly to come see you, but I can't. So I'm just trying to express to you in this letter how much I'm struggling on your behalf, how much it breaks my heart to hear that you're receiving these false teachings. And then in verses 2 and 3, he gives three reasons why he's writing. First, he says this in verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love. His first goal would be to encourage their hearts that their hearts would be lifted up and strengthened. And he knew that the best way that that would happen is if they were in unity together. Right? He says that you would be knit together in love, that you would be in unity. And what's the best way to be in unity? That we're all on the same page with what we believe. That we all have the same foundational belief about who Jesus is. So I want to tell you who Jesus is so that you'll be in unity together. And if you're in unity together, then your hearts will be encouraged and lifted up. Then he says, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. Whew, that phrase is a mouthful. What he's trying to do is help them discover the wealth that comes from the complete understanding of God. That there are riches that when we understand God and when we have a complete understanding of God's story and his plan for our lives, that there are just riches in that. And he wanted these people to be rich. Not rich with money, but rich because they understand God. And he wanted them to know the wealth of understanding God. And then he says this, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. So his third goal is that they would have the true knowledge of God's mystery. And what does he say is God's mystery? Christ himself. Jesus is God's mystery. The fact that Jesus would come for us and die for us even though we were so separated from God and that we were such terrible people and that he rose from the dead victorious and that his grace is sufficient for us and that he loves us even when we don't love him. Those are the mysteries of God. And he wanted them to have a true knowledge of God's mystery. What does that mean? A true knowledge of who Jesus is. He wanted their belief in Jesus to be based on the truth. Where are they going to find that? In the Bible. Right? What does John 1.1 say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is portrayed as the Word of God. That means that the Bible from cover to cover is Jesus revealed to us. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation and everything in between is a revelation to us of who Jesus is. And the more we know it, the more we'll understand the mysteries of God. This was Paul's goal in writing to them. Why was he so concerned? He tells us in verses 4 and 5. In verse 4 he says, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguments. His first concern is that they would be deceived and manipulated. 
people would show up and they would sound really persuasive and they would sound really confident and they would be great public speakers. And if you're listening to them, you're like, well, they sound really confident. They must know what they're talking about, right? What they're saying must be true. And we could be deceived and manipulated by false teachings. However, if we actually know what's in the Bible, then when somebody says something different, we'll notice. But when we don't know what's in the Bible, we're just like, they sound like a pretty good speaker. They're pretty convincing. Paul didn't want us to be deceived and manipulated. His second concern is that he couldn't be there in person to teach them himself. He says, even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith. What good discipline? Reading the Bible. What would give them stability of faith? Knowing what's in the Bible. And he said, I'm concerned because I can't come there in person and give it to you. So he sent other teachers to help teach them the truth. And his third concern is that they would be persuaded to do things the world's way instead of Jesus' way. In verse 8, he says that you wouldn't be taken through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. Listen, our, our culture has a way of doing things. And whether you experience it through school, whether you experience it through society, through culture, through pop culture and music and movies, through watching the news, through listening to psychologists and, 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 and social service people, our culture has a way of doing things. And yet it's completely opposite of the way that God does things. And if we don't know the way God does things, then we're just like, well, I mean, all the really important people in our country... I mean, geez, all the movie stars say to do it this way. Movie stars must know what they're doing, right? And so we just, we just go and do it the world's way. Because if we don't know the Bible, we don't know God's way. And he didn't want them to be persuaded to do things the world's way. So then he gets into the solution, starting in verse 6. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In other translations, it would say, so continue in him. And what that shows us is that when it comes to Jesus, there's a receiving and there's a continuing. The receiving part is interesting because this is the only time in the Bible that Paul uses the word receiving and attaches it to Jesus. Every other time that he says receiving, he says things like, you receive the teaching, you receive the gospel, you receive the word that we spoke, right? And that makes it all sound like intellectual, which is what Brian was just talking about, right? You just, you just heard it all intellectually. But no, in this verse, he says, you receive Jesus. And not just Jesus, he calls him Christ Jesus the Lord. You received God. You received God personally, not just his teachings. You received God himself. But you see, there's not just a receiving, there's a continuing. He says, as you have received Jesus, so walk in him. You see, a lot of us, all we get to is the receiving. Well, I mean, I received Jesus. I prayed that prayer one time, and, you know, now I go to church a couple Sundays a month, and that's about it. But that receiving is not supposed to be the end of the story. That receiving is just supposed to be the beginning of the story. He says, as you have received him, now there needs to be a continuing in him, a walking in him. And then in verse 7, he gives us four components, 
four vital components of what walking in him looks like. He starts out verse 7 by saying, having been firmly rooted. The first component is being rooted, that our roots would go down deep. Right? As I was studying this, it got me thinking about hurricanes. And I know many of you here have lived through at least one hurricane. Some of you have lived through two. That in a hurricane, some trees survive and some trees get blown down and blown away. Well, what's the difference between the trees that survive and the trees that get blown away? Well, the trees that survive, first off, God made them flexible enough to survive a hurricane, right? You see those palm trees, man, those things can bend all the way over until their tops touch the ground and they won't snap, right? God makes us flexible in the storm. But the other key determining factor is the depth of the roots, that if the roots are deep, the tree will stand. And if the roots aren't deep, the tree is not going to stand. Paul says you need to be firmly rooted, what do roots determine? The first thing roots determine is the health of the tree. If you've got a solid root system under the ground, the tree's going to be healthy because the tree is going to soak in the water and the nutrients, and then the roots are going to transport it all the way up through the rest of the tree. So if your roots go down deep, you're going to be healthy. And then if your roots grow down deep, you're going to stand in the storm. The roots determine how long you're going to stand. I've seen a lot of people, they come to church, they're excited, they're smiling, praise Jesus, everything's wonderful, I love God, and then a storm hits, and I don't see them anymore. Why is that? Because they looked good, but the roots didn't go very deep. But when the roots grow deep, you're going to stand in a storm. You know, right over here above the parsonage on the ridge line, there's about six trees right on the ridge line up there. And the hill has started to erode. And a lot of the roots of those trees are now exposed above the ground level. So at night when I'm sitting in the parsonage eating dinner, I'm looking out the window at all of these exposed roots. Just thinking to myself, how long are these trees going to stand? <laughs> and if they fall, which window are they going to come through? So we're going to cut them down here soon so that I don't have to worry about that anymore. If the roots grow down deep, you'll be healthy. If the roots grow down deep, you'll stand in the storm. How do the roots grow down deep? We read the Bible. We discover the true mysteries of God in Jesus. And our roots grow down deep. The first component is that we would be rooted in the word of God. The second thing Paul says then, it says, and now being built up in him. You see, the roots are only the beginning. If you've got this really great, intricate, deep-rooted system, but the tree is only a foot tall, what good is that? You say, well, that tree's not going to blow down. Well, who cares? It's only a foot tall. It doesn't produce any fruit. It doesn't provide any shade. This tree doesn't do anything. So being rooted is only the beginning. If you're rooted in your faith, but you're only a foot tall... The devil doesn't care. But when we're built up, we've got the healthy root system going down deep, and now we're being built up 
Because that tree is supposed to be tall and that tree is supposed to produce fruit and our lives are supposed to be built up and produce fruit. And the more that we are in the word, the more we are being built up and the more fruitful our life is going to become. And then Paul says this, and established in your faith. What does established mean? It means strengthened. To be established in your faith means that you're strengthened. When you read the Bible, you're strengthened. And then when the temptations come, you don't have to give in to them, right? Man, I'm, temptations really come today for me to watch something dirty on TV. Man, the temptation has really come today for me to scream at my wife. Man, the temptation has really come today for me to go hang out with the boys and go get drunk. The temptations come. But if you are established in your faith, if you are strengthened in your faith, you'll be able to overcome those temptations. You don't have to give in to them. So when that temptation comes, man, if I've been reading my Bible every day, I'm just like, I don't want to watch that garbage. But when I haven't been reading my Bible every day, should I leave this on a little longer before I turn it off? Right? We are established. We are strengthened in our faith when we're reading the Bible. And then finally, he says this in verse 7, and overflowing with gratitude. When we are rooted and built up and established, we will be overflowing with gratitude for all that God has done in our lives. You see, gratitude is an outward measure. Nobody can see your roots. We can't see how deep your roots are growing. But when gratitude is flowing out of your life, that is an outward measure of a healthy root system. And if bitterness is flowing out of your life, that is also an outward measure of what's going on in your root system. Paul says you would be overflowing with gratitude. He says so that if you are rooted in the word, if you are built up in the word, if you are strengthened in the word, then you will be overflowing with gratitude. And what will happen? You won't give in. You won't fall for empty philosophies. You won't be fooled by false teachers. You won't be drawn away by the things of the world. We'll be rooted in the word of God. That's what Paul was trying to get across to the Colossians. And that's what the word of God is still speaking to us today. So with that said, let me me dive into some Bible reading tips. And then we're going to look at what this is going to look like for us as a church. Did you guys all get your cards? Did we hand out the cards? All right, here we go. Brian and his team are going to hand out the cards to you guys right now. One side of the card is going to be our new Bible reading plan. We'll get to that in just a minute. The other side of the card has got some Bible reading tips on it. So this card is a great resource for you. If you still carry around a paper Bible, then that card will fit in your paper Bible, and it'll have your Bible reading plan and some Bible reading tips for you right there on hand so that you can dig into your Bible. If you're like me and you use an electronic Bible, well, this card won't fit in your phone. But you can still put it up on the refrigerator. You can put it next to your bed. You can put this card somewhere where it's going to benefit you and be a help to you in your Bible reading. So let's go over some Bible reading tips. First, before you read, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you God's truths. Listen to John 14, 26. It says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. 
This is Jesus talking. He says the Holy Spirit is going to be your primary teacher. He's going to help you understand God's word. He's going to remind you of all the things that I have spoken in this life. So when we read the Bible, let's make it a spiritual experience. If you're just in a hurry and you're like, oh, I'm just trying to get through my day. Let me just open up the Bible and read it really fast. All right, I read five verses. Let me check it off. You're not going to get much out of it. But if you make it a spiritual experience, just before you read your Bible, just take like 15 seconds and just be, Holy Spirit, I'm about to open my Bible right now. Will you teach me God's truth as I read the Bible? Will you bring revelation to my heart of who Jesus is in my life? Thank you, Lord. And that's it. Pray a prayer like that and then read your Bible and your experience will be entirely different because the Holy Spirit will be teaching you as you read it. First time I ever read the Bible was when I was in jail. Because let's be honest, there's not a lot else to do when you're in jail. Library cart came by and there was a Bible on it, so I read it. Didn't really experience much with it, but I read it. And then after I got out of jail and I was actually beginning to pursue God and my friend Bruce gave me a Bible and told me to read it, I started reading it and I read the exact same thing that I read when I was in jail. It was the Gospel of John. And when I was reading it, I'm thinking to myself, they must have had the wrong Bible in jail because that stuff I read in jail and this stuff, I'm experiencing it completely different. I was reading the exact same book. But when I was reading it with a heart that was actually desiring the Holy Spirit, it made it a completely different experience. So the most important tip is make reading your Bible a spiritual experience. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Second tip is same time, same place. The more consistent you are about reading the Bible at the same time in the same place, the more likely you are to do it every day. If you just think to yourself, well, I'll just go through my day, and eventually during my day I'll remember to read the Bible, you'll be mildly effective doing that. But if you want the discipline of reading your Bible every day, try to do it at the same time in the same place every day. Program it into your calendar so it reminds you, hey, 7.30 in the morning, I'm going to sit down in my favorite chair and read the Bible. Hey, at noon every day on my lunch break at work, I'm going to sit down and read my Bible. Wherever it is, same time, same place, the more consistent you are, the more likely you are to read it every day. This next tip is really important. Understand the context of what you are reading. And then I put like four or five questions there. You can just make those pop up. What kind of book is it? Is this a history book? Is this a wisdom book? Is this an instructional letter? What kind of book am I reading? Who was it written to? Why was it written? What does it mean at the time it was written? This is actually one of the mistakes that we make when we read the Bible is the only question we ever ask ourselves is, what does it mean to me today? But that may not be what it actually meant when it was written. You know, most of us are Greek thinkers. You may have never considered yourself a Greek thinker, but most of us are Greek thinkers. The Bible was written by Hebrew thinkers. Hebrew thinkers and Greek thinkers are complete opposites. So we interpret the Bible as Greek thinkers, but it was written by Hebrew thinkers. So what they wrote may not be what you think it meant. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what did it mean at the time it was written? And then how does it connect to the rest of the Bible? One of the biggest mistakes that we make 
is we just pull one verse out of the Bible and just read it by itself, and we can make it say whatever we want it to say because we don't read it in context of what it means with the rest of the Bible. One example is, uh, is it Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Whew, we love that verse, and we think it means we can do anything. I can go do whatever I want to do, and as long as I pray about it, I can do it. So somebody says, hey, I can be a professional basketball player just because I believe. No, you're 5'5". Five five. You're not going to be a professional basketball player. What did Paul really mean when he wrote that? What he really meant is that no matter what you're going through in life, you'll get through it with Jesus. That's what he really meant. But when we just pull it out of the Bible and put it on a bumper sticker, we get the wrong interpretation. So we have to understand the context of what we're reading and how does it fit into the rest of the Bible. There's lots of resources on the internet to, to, to help you with this. You might buy a study Bible that has all the study notes at the bottom or has the study notes before each book. Let me give you one resource here today. This is uh, Chuck Swindoll's ministry, Insights for Living. Chuck Swindoll is a great Bible teacher. And so if you go to insight.org slash resources slash Bible, it will take you to a page that has all 66 books from the Bible listed. And when you click on it, it'll take you to another page that tells you who wrote the book, when it was written, who it was written to, why it was written. So anytime you go to read a new book in the Bible, you can just go to a resource like this. Read about that book before you start reading it, and it's going to help you understand the context of what you're reading. Insight.org slash resources slash Bible. That's just one resource. There's lots of these on the Internet. Just make sure that it's from a reputable teacher because there's also a lot of garbage on the Internet that's going to teach you the wrong thing about the Bible. Another Bible reading tip, write in your Bible. Sometimes we feel like, well, no, my Bible's holy if I write in it, I'm going to be like desecrating it. And that's a sin. No, your Bible is not holy. Your Bible is just paper. The Word of God is holy, but the Bible is just paper. Write on it. Highlight it. If a verse stands out to you, highlight it so you can find it again later. If God reveals something to you while you're reading it, write a little note next to that verse. If you have a question that you're confused about, write the question there so that you can ask somebody the next time you're thinking about it. Write in your Bible. I put or your Bible app. Here's the cool thing. Go ahead and cycle through to the next slide. If you've never used a Bible app before, I want to highly recommend the YouVersion Bible app. This Bible app was actually produced by a large church in Texas. And they provide it absolutely free. There's no ads. There's no commercials. You don't have to pay for anything. They just want to share the Bible with the world. And so you go to uversion.com. You can download this on Apple products, Google products, Android products, any kind of product you have. You can download the Uversion Bible app. And the great thing is, is that it works just like a paper Bible. You can highlight it. You just push the verse and then push the highlight button and it highlights it for you. You can write notes. You just push the verse and push the notes button, and you can write notes about it. You can do everything in the Bible app that you can do with a paper Bible. Here's where it gets even better. Oh, and you can enlarge the prints. So you can make the print as large as you want it so that you can read it. Good tip. I like that. Here's an even better part of the Bible app. One of the biggest excuses I get is I hear, Pastor, 
I just don't read. You know, it's not that I don't like the Bible. It's just that I don't read, period. That's okay. The Bible app will read it to you. I just took away your biggest excuse. All right? You turn that Bible app on, it'll read it to you. While you're driving to work, just turn it on. It'll read the Bible to you. So I highly recommend the YouVersion Bible app. Put it on your phone, put it on your computer, put it on your tablet. It's got the Bible in over 1,100 different languages. It's got lots of English translations. You can even download the translation so that if you don't have internet connection, you can still read the Bible on your phone even without a connection. And then the final tip is this. Respond to what you've read. There's no point reading it if you're not going to respond to it. Here's four different responses to what you've read. One is to pray God's truth into your heart. I love doing this. If I read the Bible and a verse stands out to me, I'm going to take some time just to pray that verse into my heart. I'm going to make it personal for me. I'm going to put my name in the verse. I'm going to pray that whatever the promise is in the verse, that God fulfills that promise over my life. I'm going to pray that truth into my heart. Another way to respond to what you've read is to journal. Now, I always promote transparency here at the church. We should all be real with each other, right? We shouldn't be phonies. So let me just be real with you. I am terrible at journaling, all right? I've read the research. I know it's good for you. I know you should do it. I know it's great, but I just don't do it. I try to do it, and it lasts for like three days, and then I stop because I'm just, all right, so... I'm just being transparent here, but journaling is a great way to respond to God's word. If you're into journaling, read the word and then do it. In just a second, I'm going to give you a journaling method. Third way to respond to what you've read is to put it into practice. Ask yourself the question, what can I do today because I read the Bible, right? What's something I can do today to put this into practice? And then the fourth one is talk to somebody about it. Get together with some people and talk about what you've read. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you're confused. You say, God spoke this to me. What did God speak to you? And process with somebody and talk about it. Here on this next slide is the journaling method. We call it the SOAP method. SOAP stands for the S is scripture. So the first thing you do is you write down the scripture that stood out to you. And then the O stands for observe. So then you write down what did you observe from the scripture? What did God show you from reading the Bible. The A stands for apply. So then you're going to write down how you're going to apply this to your life. And then the P stands for pray. Write out a prayer that will actually help you apply it. Scripture, observe, apply, and pray. This is a great journaling method when you're reading the Bible. So these are some great tips to help make your Bible reading time more effective. So we're going to finish up today by actually sharing with you what this program is going to look like. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and get ready for us to close. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. We want to create a culture and an atmosphere here at Kauai Bible Church where every follower of Jesus, I apologize for my typo there in the notes, every follower of Jesus in our church reads their Bible every day. We want this to be a part of who we are. We want this to be a cornerstone of our culture. We are Kauai what church? Bible church, right? We want reading the Bible. So we want everyone to be reading the Bible. But what we want to do to facilitate this environment, number one, is we're going to continually remind ourselves of the importance of it. This isn't something we just talked about for the summer and we're going to forget about. 
I'm going to continue to remind you of the importance of this from the pulpit. We're going to use our website. We're going to use Facebook. We're going to use email newsletters. We're going to continually remind us of the importance of daily Bible reading. Second thing is, we're going to provide a monthly Bible reading plan so that as a church, we're all reading the same verses together every day. This is going to create such a unity in our church that we know that anytime we get together with somebody, we can talk about the Bible because we're reading the same stuff. And so every month we're going to provide that Bible reading plan. And then the third thing we're going to do is we're going to use in-person groups and we're also going to use online technology to help all of us hold each other accountable, support each other, and talk about what we're reading from the Bible. So you'll notice there on your Bible reading plans, you've, we've got our first month, we've got August laid out for you there, is we've created three tiers. Why three tiers? Because I want to make it doable for you. My goal is that we would all get to a chapter a day. Now, I know some of you are hardcore and like you read through the Bible in a year. To read through the Bible in a year, you've got to be reading like five chapters a day. All right, but I'm not going to set that bar for everybody because... That's pretty intense. I think a chapter a day is plenty of word, right? So my goal is that we would all get to a chapter a day. But maybe you're not ready for a chapter a day. Well, we've also broken it down that within that chapter, you can just read a, a short passage. And if even that is too much for you to start with, we've also pulled one verse out of there. So you could just read one verse a day. And you say, well, I mean, what difference can one verse make? Well, think about it mathematically. If you're reading zero Bible a day and you go from zero to one verse a day, that is infinite improvements, <laughs> right? You can never improve more than the day that you improve from zero to one. So even reading one verse a day is going to get you to a great start. And then after you've been reading one verse a day for a while... You'll grow to reading a passage a day. And after you've been reading a passage a day for a while, you'll grow to reading a chapter a day. So you can see in our example, August 1st is when this is launching, which is Wednesday, that in the chapter level, we're going to read Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 just happens to be one of the longest chapters in the entire Bible. It's got like 80-something verses in it. I think the only chapter that's longer is Psalm 119, Okay. So, but if you're in for it, Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read the whole chapter. But if you're not ready for that, then we broke out, just read verses 8 through 20. Just read that passage. And if you're not ready for that yet, just read verse 20. And just get in that one verse. The other thing that's important about this Bible reading plan is I don't want you to catch up. The number one thing that stops us from doing a Bible reading plan is we feel the need to catch up. So I missed reading today. So that means the next day I've got to read double to catch up. Well, if I'm having trouble reading once, double is even more overwhelming. And then if I don't read today, now I've got to read triple to catch up. I just give up. I'm just going to quit, right? Don't try to catch up. If you miss a day, hey, you missed a day. Just read the next day. Don't try to catch up. Just get your Bible in for the day and let God speak to you through that. So we've got the first month laid out. We're going to read through the entire book of Luke. We're going to read Joel. We're going to read Colossians. And then in September, we'll give you a new reading plan. We're going to jump back and forth between Old Testament and New Testament. 
We're going to get into some longer books. You know, some of the longer books have 60 chapters in them. That's going to take us two months to read through a longer book together, but we'll do it. And we'll get through this. And if we stick with it, it'll take us about five years to read the whole Bible together. But that's okay. We're not going anywhere. We're, we'll read through the Bible together. And then the last thing I want to share is this. How are we going to keep ourselves doing this together? Well, we have two in-person methods. The first in-person method is our home groups. This is now going to become the central focus of our home groups is we're going to process what we've been reading together from the Bible reading plan. The other one is one-on-one. -on -one. If you say, you know, I would love to talk with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, we'll partner you up. We'll get you a Bible reading partner, and you guys can either call each other or get together for coffee once a week and, and just discuss the Bible one-on-one. -on -one. Then we're also going to use technology. So we're going to use conference calls. We have a conference call phone number. So if you want to be a part of a conference call group, you'll call in. There'll be like six people that all call in, and you, the six of you talk about the Bible together. This is awesome because you know what? You don't even have to be dressed. You don't got to do your makeup. You don't got to do your hair. You don't got to do anything. You just dial into the phone number, and you're just going to talk on the phone with people about the Bible. If you have a hard time getting to a group, but you're somewhere where you can make a phone call, Get into a conference call group. We're also going to use Facebook groups. If you would like to be in a Facebook group, we'll put together a, a private group, and you can message each other in these groups. The most base level of technology is email groups. If you're just like, hey, pastor, I've got a computer. That's it. I can't do anything else. We'll put you in an email group. You can just email with other people about what you're reading. Or we can use messaging apps which puts you in a group and you guys can all message each other like texting and, and interact with each other using a messaging app. You say, well, what would we write to each other? Well, you could write something as simple as, hey, I read my Bible today. All right, cool. Or maybe you have a question. You're like, hey, I read this, but I don't understand this. Can somebody help me out? And then the other people in the group will message you back and help you answer the question. If somebody hasn't messaged for a few days... You can message them and be like, hey, how you doing? Are you getting into your word? And you can hold people accountable. If God speaks something to you, you can message it. Hey, God spoke this to me. I hope it encourages somebody else. And you can do that through a Facebook group, an email group, a messaging group. You can do that. So here's what we're going to do. If you don't have a Bible, I ordered a bunch of Bibles. I was hoping they would get there today, but hey, it's shipping to Kauai. You know how that goes, so... Hopefully they'll be here in the next week or two. If you need a Bible, I've got a whole case of Bibles coming. We'll give you a... What's that? They get lost in Anchorage, right? Yeah. So um, we'll get you some Bibles. But here's what we're going to do. This starts on Wednesday. We're going to start reading the Bible together on August 1st. As a response time today, the response doesn't always have to be spiritual, right? We're not going to come up here and kneel at the altar. The response time today is this. We're going to pass clipboards around the sanctuary. And if you're ready to jump on board with us, I just want you to write your name, your email, and your phone number on there. And then all those different groups, I've got them all listed. I just want you to check off the ones that you would like to do. Don't check them all off because that would be kind of watered down. Just check the ones you want to do. So if you check off that you want to do one-on-one -on -one with somebody, 
that I'm going to call you this week and I'm going to partner you up with somebody. If you check that you want to do Facebook group, then I'm going to put you into a private Facebook group this week. If you check that you want to do a messaging app, then I'm going to invite you into a messaging app this week and you'll take a couple days to learn how to use it. As these clipboards come around, I want you to write your name on there and then I want you to check off which groups you want to be a part of and we'll plug you into those groups and we'll start doing this together. It might start slow. We might need to pump some energy into it. But when this thing takes off, guys, it's going to define who we are. We're going to experience a unity we've never known before. We're going to experience spiritual growth we've never known before. We're going to begin to rise up in ministry like we never have before as we all read the Bible together. We're going to begin to overcome sin like we never have before. Families are going to be stronger than they ever have been before. We're passing out these same cards in our kids' classrooms. We want our kids reading the Bible too. Our families are going to be stronger than ever. You'd be sitting around the table. Mom, dad, kids sitting around the table and you guys will all be talking about what you read in the Bible today. This thing is going to define us. Will you stand with me today? We're just going to close by playing a song.